Jordan, what's up? Good job last week on the UH basketball broadcast. Um, that was a good win for the Rainbow Warriors. And uh, I guess your first opportunity to, to call a UH game. So congrats on that. That was a pretty cool one. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, as you know, working with Artie Wilson is always a blast. And uh, Hawaii picked up a win, right? Moved back above 500, two and one on the season. So, so yeah, thanks to uh, UH football being on the road and, and you having to vacate and, uh, you know, freed up, uh, freed up a game or so for for us, uh, us guys uh, filling in. So, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah, I, I was, meanwhile, uh, undergoing the quickest trip through Las Vegas ever. I wasn't even there for 40 hours uh, had to go red eye there, red eye back. Uh, there was a Rainbow Wahine volleyball match and broadcast on Sunday. Uh, so did the game, didn't get to really party with like the thousands upon thousands of other Hawaii people that made the trip. So uh, maybe in the end, that's a good thing. My wife's probably relieved uh, that uh, that was the case. But yeah, it was a, it was a quick one. And unfortunately, it uh, didn't go so well for the Rainbow Warrior football team, as we'll get to. Uh, but uh, that stadium, Allegiant Stadium, my goodness, it is absolutely up to snuff as far as living up to the hype i mean that thing is terrific and uh yeah i don't know if you guys back at the mililani studio during the football pregame and halftime and postgame broadcast were uh, feeling any fomo but uh i can tell you that it was pretty spectacular in person yeah just just a little bit just a little <laughs> bit yeah it's uh, spectrum footed the bill to, to get the game announcers up there but uh us poor <laughs> pre and postgame guys is like oh yeah Kano and Rich are going, but uh, you guys get to come to Mililani. But you know what? It comes with a breakfast bento. So ah, there's that. Makes it there's all worth that. it. And, yeah. and as consolation, we get to go to uh, to Ching this weekend, which only holds about, you know, 61,000 less people or something it's like that. It's a bit of a different stadium experience. A we'll, little, we'll little bit of a contrast. A little bit different. Yeah, we also, because it was the day before the Chiefs Raiders Sunday night football game, uh, the second level which is usually where all the press boxes are where all the broadcast teams are that was occupied end to end with all the NBC equipment and, and all of that stuff so uh, there was no room for us to do the game from those press boxes we had to go all the way up to the 400 level which is the top level and man if you suffer from vertigo it was going to be a struggle for you from way up there it was like I don't know if that's Calvin Turner carrying the ball or an ant like it was just, it was impossible to tell. Like I needed a telescope uh, to be able to follow. I thought, you guys, uh, I thought you guys were in a blimp or something. <laughs> it kind of felt that way. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, a couple nosebleeds throughout the uh, broadcast. But other than that, it was all right. No, I, my eyes adjusted, uh, but perhaps permanent damage has been done. <laughs> I should probably go see an optometrist. But uh, no, I, I, it still gave a great vista of, of the stadium in its entirety. Uh, it was all 22, basically, our view from uh, way up there, bird's eye. But it was it was an incredible experience. The stadium is is phenomenal. And as you mentioned, UH football team uh, back at home to play Colorado State here this weekend. And, uh, well, we got on the horn with our guy, Larry Beal. So let me do the official uh, welcome to the show. This is episode 88, Let's Talk Sports with Canola, he and Jordan Helley. Larry Beal, uh, former sportscaster here in the islands, longtime uh, national sportscaster with ESPN, now news and sports anchor with ABC7 in San Francisco, and just our good buddy. We would talk with him with regularity on the radio show. Never really got a chance to have him on the podcast, though, yet. So this is the first time for us. Uh, and uh, what's great about Larry is he tells it like it is. And he is a huge University of Hawaii football and sports fan. Uh, and, well, Hawaii has now lost three straight, four out of their last five. They lost 27-13 
in Allegiant Stadium to UNLV. That's despite the Warrior defense picking off Rebels quarterback Cameron Friel twice, also recovered a fumble, forced a turnover on downs. When you look at some of the UH offensive numbers here, Jordan, nationally speaking, they are 128th out of 130 in fourth down conversion percentage. 116th in third down conversions. They are last, 130th in turnovers lost. And uh, the opposite side of that, they're third in the nation in turnovers gained. And so they are just giving away all of those golden opportunities, quite literally. 104th in scoring defense, 109th in total defense, and 123rd in net punting average. So uh, not pretty numbers. I mean, it has to be, we have to be honest here, right? Those, those are not winning stats. And this team is now four and seven overall, one and five in the Mountain West Conference. Before we throw to our talk with Larry, did you uh, sort of have any uh, feedback or reaction to either what we saw in Vegas or, or just kind of where things are? They're not going to go to a bowl game. Uh, it's not going to be a winning season uh, at four and seven with two games left. They're not going to be bowl eligible. So now it's about pride. You got senior night this weekend. Um, they have to drum up some of their own inspiration now. Yeah, for sure, right? You're trying to build now moving forward with an eye very clearly on the future as opposed to the immediate, right, when it, when it comes to it. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where you watch the team, right, especially offensively, and it just looks out of sorts. It looks disjointed. It looks like there is no positive trend where, okay, this is going to work eventually. And then you look at the numbers, right? And stats don't always tell the whole story, but boy, it's kind of hard to talk your way around those numbers, right, that you put out there. And, and it's kind of encapsulated, right? They're number three in the country in takeaways, but they have a negative turnover differential. Like that, it, it's almost impossible to do, to be that good at taking the football away and then have turned it over more. And well, when you're dead last in the country in that, that offensive category, that, that, that kind of sums it up. But, but it was just another game where it kind of just encapsulated all of the frustrations, right? The defense comes out, forces three first-half turnovers, gets UH the football, on the UNLV 28, the UNLV 16, and the UNLV 36-yard lines. Three times after a turnover. And Hawaii gets three total points out of those three possessions. And that kind of, I mean, that was the ball game. And I know it comes down, they get the ball back after the blocked field goal and all those kinds of things. But that just kind of sums it up. The defense making plays, putting them in position, and the offense really doing nothing with it. So, yeah, it's it's been a recurring theme and. And we'll see. Maybe they figure out something these last couple of weeks. They only got two more cracks at it. But, yeah, I think a lot of the frustration reflected in not just the eye test, but also when you dig into some of the deeper numbers, uh, it's not a pretty picture. Yeah, so the uh, launch pad here into our interview with Larry Beal, uh, a little bit from that negative perspective, uh, Larry's very frank and honest about some of his concerns uh, with this year's UH football performance this season, right? Again, four and seven overall, one and five. Uh, in the Mountain West Conference. And usually we'll get into a bunch of topics and then toss to our guests, but uh, we went pretty lengthy here with Larry and he was so good and, and, and so honest, uh, so candid, uh, spoke so freely about all this stuff. Plus we get into a little bit of Steph Curry discussion uh, because he's in the Bay Area over there and Steph Curry is just doing legendary stuff yet again. And oh, he also accuses us of benefiting from nepotism. So that's another part of uh, this uh, interview. So without further ado, why don't we go ahead and, and, and run that talk that conversation that we had uh, with our good buddy, Larry Beal. Larry, my man, good to see you. Uh, it's been a while. In fact, this is the first time we've actually had you on the podcast. You were a regular uh, on our radio show on Maui, but we kind of transitioned because of COVID to this podcast thing. And so first time we've had a chance to uh, to talk with you. So it's good to see you. 
It's always good to see you. And uh, I'm obviously watching you from afar, not like a stalker, not, I mean, a little <laughs> bit, just a little bit like a stalker, but, but I watch all the games, you know, we have amazing technology now. And actually I have to say, let's start with a, a huge positive because for years, every time I would, uh, you know, see Dave Matlin, I'd be like, what do I have to do to watch a UH football game on the mainland? And it's, you know, then it's the whole, Oh, geo tracking and all, you know, like what, just tell me what. And so now uh, this T1 sports, uh, it like the app, I mean, I'm right here. It's like, I got you on my phone. It's Kanoa Leahy is all over my house now. Right. It's actually a bit disturbing. Yeah. That's a sad state of affairs <laughs> for is. the uh, Beal household. If that's yeah. the case. Yeah. yeah. Even <laughs> Mrs. Even Mrs. Kanoa Leahy is not that thrilled with that option. She's not a fan. She's not, no, a, fan. not, no, not no. a fan. Not a fan. Uh, I see also in the background, obviously it's a audio podcast, but uh, we're doing this over zoom. And I see in your background, you have this like makeshift uh, or the remnants of a makeshift studio uh, in your living room? Yeah. What, what's that all about? Well, during COVID, we were doing uh, news and sports from what I call fireplace camera, <laughs> which the fireplace is back over here. And it was quite, actually was quite the setup. If you were doing a, a video podcast, I actually have a video I could send you. It, it, it was amazing. Like I, I could do everything from my living room that I could do in a TV studio. I mean, I had um, monitors and teleprompter and this and that, and uh, you know, all, all sorts of audio devices. It was pretty, it was really cool. And uh, I, I miss fireplace cam so much <laughs> because commuting now is just, oh man. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not, you know, it's not great. I, look, it's, it's good that we're getting back to normal, whatever normal is, but sure. uh, commuting is not really something I enjoy all that much. Yeah, you're, you're among the uh, population that actually was pretty bummed out when things started to get back to normal. It's like, all right, back to the studio you go, back to work. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I want us to be normal, uh, whatever, whatever normal is. But uh, yeah, it was... There was a lot of negotiating going on between uh, me and management to actually uh, get me back in. Is Jordan allowed to talk, by the way? I just I see his image here, but he's so quiet. It's it reminds me of the sports animals where Chris Hart, I think he's he's he gets like 10 words per segment. That's the and if he goes over 10, they tase him or something. I don't know what happens. I don't know how you work it out. Well, that, that would make Kanoa uh gary dickman so that 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 uh i don't <laughs> know that, who makes that worse in that analogy is it uh, well that's what i was going to ask is that a, that's a, like a jump ball i i, I who who's winning that <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> nobody I don't know. I don't know i don't know if anybody does have okay, you heard yeah. my gary dickman uh, impersonation no please give it to me i, I this is gonna be great uh, well larry there was a lot of college football games played yesterday that was my uh yeah <laughs> Do you guys get along? Has he heard? I assume he's heard this. <laughs> I don't he's think heard. he's heard it. I, I'm waiting to bust it out on the sports animals. That's that's. Oh, I'm okay. waiting Next for that. Yeah. Might, might be your final appearance on the sports animals. And, and uh, also, but, uh, as far yeah. as Jordan is concerned, I mean, he has to ration it out. This is one of like 11 podcasts that he's actually a co-host for. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's why he he oh. scatters it a little bit uh, more thinly here he's, on on this one. He's saving his best stuff for his <laughs> own, not where he has to share the stage with you. I mean, why why use your A material right? on this pod, Jordan? It doesn't make any sense, right? More, it's more of a testing ground. This is kind of where I, I sprinkle <laughs> in. And then, you know, for, for the Friday night show is kind of where I, I, I break out the A material. So okay. I know it's, it's a good strategy. Yeah. I, 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 it's worked I'm out well. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I know that you were on the Sports Animals recently, and yeah. as is the case, right, this time of year, they talk to you about uh, University of Hawaii sports, and as you mentioned, you follow it along pretty closely, and well, this football season has not gone uh, to the delight of the fan base uh, quite the way that they were uh, hoping for. In fact, uh, it won't be a winning season, uh, no bowl eligibility. They have now lost three in a row for their last five. Their offensive numbers are pretty brutal in the national context. Um, what are your thoughts here on just what has happened to this Rainbow Warrior program this season? You know, it's funny, when you do the open to the games on TV, you don't frame it like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is this is all new information for me, you know. This is all wow. This is a, wow, wow. It's worse than I thought. Not, wow, I always hear the rosy, uh, the rosy version on TV when I watch you. I'm really shocked to see this sudden heel turn that you've done. Uh, but uh, no, obviously the season was filled with much promise, and here we are now, and it's really frustrating. What, I mean, I have numerous concerns, probably far too many. I could probably do all 11 of Jordan's pods and still not air out all of my grievances. <laughs> but look, to me, we have significant talent. We have guys who are going to play at the next level, especially on offense. I'm not even talking about the defensive side of the ball. We could talk about that you know, later. But we have difference makers. We have playmakers. And when I look at the roster, I expect – a certain amount of production and what I'm seeing is very clear regression. And that worries me because if we can't win with Shevin and day day Hunter and, and Diedrich in the backfield, and you've got Calvin Turner jr. Who's like, you know, Dominique Wilkins uh, human highlight reel and you've got Mardner and you've got whatever happened to Jared smart. Remember that leaping catch in the end? Remember that? Whatever. happened? Like he gets one ball every month. So we have dudes who can play. So why can't we score more than 10 or 13 points? What, why are we throwing five yard check downs with 30 seconds left and no timeouts and you have to go to the end zone. These there's a disc to me, like you you watch it every day. To me, there is a disconnect between the sidelines and the field. And so, you know, all roads point back to the coaching staff. But Shevin has to accept, accept some of the responsibility mm -hmm. as well. If you're playing quarterback and this is not his first game or his first you know, year or, or any of that, you have to know, you know, we have no timeouts. We have to we have to throw the ball to the end zone. I can't check it down. I can't. So some of it is his responsibility. But it seems like more of it is on the coaching staff to me. And, and the thing I brought up on the sports animals is, look, I mean, if however far back you want to go, okay? You want to go back to Vince Lombardi, you know? We get a seal here and a seal here, and then they ran the same play a thousand times because nobody could stop it. Paul Johnson, you want to go back to the old run and shoot? I used to watch hours of film with Paul Johnson Double slot. I mean, most unique attack, I think maybe, I, I don't know, it's probably a, a bold statement that, uh, you know, you want to pluck out for the video tees, but maybe <laughs> the most innovative offense in college football history where you can run triple option and also throw in a spread passing game. Uh, I mean, like that, you could run for 300, you could throw for 300, it, depending on who you were playing against. 
we, I know what I'm getting from Paul Johnson. Okay. I know what you want to talk St. Louis offense. Um, you, you know, okay. Double slot. And we know that what the route tree is and all of that. You want to talk June's offense. You mm-hmm. want to talk Rolo's offense. You want to talk Mike Leach. I know exactly what I'm getting. Um, by the way, the, uh, the landscapers have arrived. So if that's a problem, <laughs> let me know. This is a little, I'm a little bit like Kevin Costner in Yellowstone here, just so you understand what's happening around me. You know, there's, um, but anyway, anyway, I have no idea what the goal is for UH football's offense. What are we trying to establish? And that's, it's, it's a mystery to me because I watch from week to week and of course, you're going to make adjustments based on who you're playing and who's healthy and, you know, a million other things. But I don't I don't see a logical progression of what we're trying to do. And that's why we can't score, in my opinion. No, I, I, I would agree. I think every week it seems a little different. There is no identity. And so it's kind of interesting, Larry, because you, you get some of the, the old timers, right? It's like we need the run and shoot. It has to be the run and shoot. We've got to do it this way. Um, but you've watched been associated covered the program for through multiple iterations and and the one thing with Todd Graham coming in yeah he didn't run the run and shoot but every other place he's gone he scored a lot of points that's that's right. been one of his mo's and so in in your opinion does it need to be a specific brand of offense or or is there is there room for you know Hawaii to to not be the run and shoot school if you will um and and for a coach, whether it's Todd Graham or whoever else, the, the, the room, if you will, to, to do things their way offensively. I, I think a lot of us fell in love with the run and shoot because at the time it was a really novel concept and nobody was doing what June was doing and throwing the ball 60 times a game, which seemed insane. Uh, guess what? Everybody in college football <laughs> now has some form of a spread. So it's not quite as innovative as it was and defenses understand how to, how to, how to deal with it. So no, it doesn't have to be run and shoot. You want to run the, actually, I don't want to run the wishbone, but do whatever is effective for your personnel. And again, it comes back to who do we have? Do we have, you know, a bunch of, you know, walk-ons and this, this program was, this was not a rebuild when Todd Graham took over. Rolo was successful. He had good recruits, quality players, skill makers, skilled players and playmakers, but nobody's making plays except for Calvin Turner. When he, you know, he's surrounded by five guys. Oh, he's running down the sideline. What? What? I mean, that guy is magical at times. Do we get him the ball in open space? No. Do we throw the simple? Okay. Let me just go to this. Let's go simple. I'm going to simplify this. The easiest thing to do. Okay. If you, we don't, if if the receivers can't remember where they're running or the quarterback, whatever it is, bubble screen. Okay. I take the snap, shotgun snap. Jordan Helley's right there. I don't know if he can run, but boom. Two, two wide receivers block. You, the linemen come out and, and go downfield. It's, the simplest way to get the ball outside of handing it to Calvin Turner Jr. Do we run bubble screens? Whole college, it's not a, that's not a secret play. It's simple. Get the football to guys who can make plays and make their defenders miss. We don't do any of that. 
We're not putting people in positions to succeed, in my opinion. So that's why I get frustrated. You know, if it was me and Kanoa lined up back there, I'd understand why we don't score. But, you know, I, I don't care what offense we were. Let's, let's, can we, I, when I, when Todd first came in, what, what, what were they were calling it? Fun and gun. That was his thing. Like, I think that we I don't see the, I don't see the gun and I'm not having fun. I'm like, so what is it? What are we doing? Yeah. Like, and I don't care, call it whatever you want. When, and I had a suggestion when I was on the sports animals, so I was like, okay, how do we fix this? All right. How do we fix this? So I started thinking about who did Todd have a lot of success with when he was at Arizona state. I don't know if you guys will remember the quarterback by the name of Mike Berkovici. Mike Berkovici at ASU would throw for a zillion yards that they scored points. They were a problem to deal with in the PAC 12. Turns out Mike Berkovici is now an assistant football coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so to me, maybe the answer is on the present coaching staff. You guys would know that better than I would, but it doesn't appear to be improving. And this is the second season in a row. And I know Bo was not running the, I wasn't thrilled with the offense last year. I thought it was discombobulated, but COVID lack of practice time, understandable, new scheme, new staff, everything. That's a, you get a pass on that. All right, now we're in year two with a bunch of guys, some of whom will be, you know, NFL, CFL, Arena League, XFL, what you know, whatever, USFL. They're going to be playing professionally somewhere. Some of these guys, we should be more productive. Yeah, I think I think it's it's hard to argue the the counter, right? And and so you mentioned Bo Graham, and I think that's that's the elephant in the room, right? And and anytime a coach hires a son, a relative, whatever. Like football is full of examples of nepotism. And I figured you'd be a good guy to ask about this because the San Francisco 49ers, like sure. Kyle Shanahan is their coach. And the large reason he is in that position is because Mike Shanahan is his dad. And right. look, sometimes it works out great, right? I, I'm a big Kyle Shanahan fan. Look, they, they were a play away from winning the Super Bowl. And I love what he does offensively. So it's not to say that nepotism doesn't quite play out sometimes. Um, and, and so you just open yourself up to greater criticism, right? If, if you're going to hire somebody sure. that's related to you and it doesn't go well, um, it's a can of worms and, and it's hard to put it back in the can when you're not doing well. Yeah. And so how to rectify that, right? It, it is, is Todd Graham in a position because he has hired a lot of really good offensive minds. You talk about Arizona state and they scored a ton of points everywhere. Yeah. He's gone. He scored points. Yeah. Uh, and this is about as low scoring and inept an offense as there is. And so my big question, and this is kind of just throwing it out yeah. to you, Larry, for comment, but is he willing to evaluate the way he would any other coach and, and look at it? Because I think any any reasonable evaluation will show whether that's his kid or not, he ain't getting the job. done. Yeah. Well, you guys know Coach Graham better than I do. I don't know how accepting of change he would be or resistant to change. I, do, I don't know his personality. I've never met the man. I've seen him coach for years. So, you know, he knows football. Like this is not a Rubik's cube where, gee, I don't know. How do we fix this? Um, to me, you have to make a change and, you know, however you want to do that, reassign, move people around on the staff. Like to me, it, Another thing that doesn't make any sense, we have one of the best linebackers in the history of the school who's coaching running backs, right? Okay, I don't understand. Maybe, I don't know, I'm not there. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe the best linebacker should coach linebackers. I, 
crazy, kind of crazy idea. But as far as Shanahan goes, it's really interesting. By the way, if we're going to do a deep dive on nepotism, maybe Kanoa should sit this out. Huh? <laughs> should, don't you think? Don't you think? Because look, come on, come on. I learned from his dad and his grandfather. I mean, maybe Jordan, this should just be you and me on this, huh? What do you think? I don't know. Uh, Barry Helley is a pretty well-known announcer uh, for uh, oh, MIL yeah, Sports. Fair, my, so my dad's been a yeah. A maybe this is just you, Larry. Oh wow! Maybe <laughs> yes, I should if, just if, go on a one-man rant. Uh, feel free. Yeah, if, if anybody's done this their way and uh, you know actually earned the spot. Uh, yeah, it would be you. We, we have no creativity between Jordan and myself, like just absolutely no originality. We just follow the path that was blazed for us, which, which is probably part of our frustration. Right. Because if if anything, we're rooting for Bo Grant to prove that <laughs> yeah. this is a viable way to hire people. Yeah. Uh, and right now, Bo's not holding up the end of the bargain. No, I know. I look, I would love to give my kids uh, all the jobs <laughs> and I just have no influence. I've, I've just, that's it. That's it. They, they look at me and, you know, you could just see the sadness in their eyes, my girls. Um, but anyway, I forgot what we've been talking about. Oh, Kyle Shanahan. Right. So here's the thing with Kyle. And I've said this publicly, like, I think he's an excellent offensive coordinator. I'm not sure that he is a great head coach. And I'm pretty sure that I don't want him running the personnel department because he's the de facto GM for the 49ers. Their drafts are shaky uh, to put it mildly. And now we have, okay, you know, you, you, you drafted Trey Lance basically telling Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, you're done. It's just a question of timing, except the kid isn't ready to play. And, you know, Shanahan, the first game he starts, we suddenly uh, coach Shanahan decides uh, we're going to run quarterback power until they stop it or my quarterback is dead, which to me, that made no sense also. I mean, that's like the same, you know, what are we doing offensively? What, what, we're going to get the guy killed? That's what happened. He hurt his knee, hasn't played since then. So, um, you know, I think, I think you do open up the door to more scrutiny when you hire family members because the, you know, the burden is on them. Like they have to perform. And that, you know, look at what happened to RG3 in Washington when, when the dad was the coach and Kyle was the offensive coordinator, same thing. What did they do? RG3 ended up blowing out his knee because they kept running option stuff. So, um, you know, I, I think it's probably difficult for the Grams, but, you know, they're big boys. They knew what they were walking into when they when they took the job. And also, I'll say I'll say this just in defense of, of the Grams, because I think because of a, a myriad of circumstances, the deck was stacked against them in particular, Todd, because you come in, you get hired, you're trying to assemble a staff. Oh, COVID hits. Now we don't have a spring camp, so I can't put my stuff in. We go into the summer. We're still, everybody's separated, all this testing. We don't know what to do. We play the season. Actually, you know, finish decently, go to a bowl game, you do well. Okay, great. All right, now we're going to build off of that. Come back. We're still in COVID. The governor locks everything down pretty much. We can't have fans. Oh, by the way, we've let our stadium fall into such a state of disrepair that we can't even play there anymore. We've got to, you know, go to City Mill and build a thing in, in, in the quarry, which amazing that they could get it done. And, you know, that's like remarkable. But a lot of things have lined up against success for this football program. So some struggling is understandable. 
What is not understandable is the stuff on the field. You have a guy, Shevitt is in what, in year three in the program? Four? Okay, so he should, he should have some sense of awareness of what's going on around him. It's not like he's the Shager kid and just came in, oh, my goodness, deer in the headlights. I'm a freshman. I'm playing for the first time. No, he's got some experience. So I would expect more. And what I'm seeing is less. Mm -hmm. And so how do we get to more? What, like, again, I, I'm not there. You guys are there. If I'm Chevin Cordero and I'm looking at my future, I've got to take a really long, hard look as to whether this is where I'm going to flourish if I have professional aspirations. Because let me tell you, I watch the Pac-12 every week. Chevin Cordero is better than most of the dudes in the Pac-12. He has a rocket for an arm. He's mobile. He's fast. He has seemingly nerves of steel. And, you know, I'll take him on my team anytime, any day of the week, whatever you want. Um, but clearly his performances have diminished. Why? What's the relationship between he and Bo? Do they get along? Do, are they speaking the same language? Are they running what... Shevin is comfortable with. I don't know the answers to any of these questions. Yeah, I, I was going to say as well, uh, the, the idea that the Graham regime came in under less than ideal and optimal circumstances, clearly that is the case here. And so, like you said, I think you can live with some of the potential struggles that introduce themselves uh, and the challenges that introduce themselves under those circumstances. But I think the, the problem is that, that you're also getting to is we've seen some of these players, we've seen them perform at the highest of levels uh, very recently. Uh, yeah. We've seen them win football games. Shevin has, has, has thrown clutch touchdowns and has been prolific at times and has won football games. Uh, and so we have now witnessed circumstances removed. We have now witnessed a regression, a regression for Shevin and regression for several of the players around him, a regression overall particularly for this offense. Uh, and then you look at just the way it plays out, right? You, you have to assume and speculate there are communication issues. When you're burning timeouts in the first quarter, uh, sometimes going back to back on timeouts uh, early in football games, that represents to me a lack of communication. And if communication is the key, and if that's the disconnect, then that is a systemic issue. And, and I think yeah. that's, that's what you have to be led to uh, when trying to break down what might be behind some of these struggles. Well, you know, if you need to use two timeouts to change a contact lens, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And when you're calling the second timeout with 20 seconds left on the play clock, that's, that's not good. That's not good. That's what I would expect to see from, a, you know, a poorly coached high school team. That's just not acceptable at this level. It should not be. Now, again, I don't know where the headsets working. You know, there's always a million things mm -hmm, behind mm -hmm. the scenes that we don't know about. And, and I can't tell you that if I was drawing up plays that I would necessarily, actually, I could, I could be draw plays better than what I'm seeing. <laughs> Never mind. But let's edit that out. I, no, because what? Oh, that's in. That's yeah, staying. That, in. That's, staying. Yeah. That's, that's what's going to get aggregated. You're going to put that out. Eagle says he should run offense. That's what you're going to put. That's what you're going to go with. That's right. Take that awesome. sports animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much for Gary Dickman's <laughs> exclusive. Uh, show me a sequence that, I mean, I, I don't know how much you want to break down here. Like 
the, the one thing that I've, I really feel blessed to have been able to do in my career is to be around some people who, who have done this at the highest level. And so in Hawaii, going back to coach Tomi, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, I miss him so much and, and so sad, you know, that he passed, but I learned a lot from him and he used to come on my TV show here in the Bay area and we would talk and talk and talk and just learn. And he was the opposite of all this run and shoot madness. He was like, let's just, you know, play good defense and have a chance to win at the fourth quarter, which every time he said that, I was like, Oh, I hate that. How about blow them out? <laughs> like, how about score 50 on them? It was, you know, that's my thing, but, but everybody has a plan. And so what I'm, what I'm not understanding is what is the plan? You know, um, I was talking to June Jones just the other day and he told me, you know, Bill Walsh was, I'm going to script 25 plays. I think Kyle Shanahan scripts the first 15. June used to script the first five. And so the idea in all of this is, okay, my guys are going to know exactly. We're going to, we're going to practice this. So they know what these plays are going to be. We may not run them exactly in this order, but I want my guys comfortable at the start of the game. All right. So what is the coaches? What are the coaches upstairs doing while we're running these 15 plays? They are watching. If we line up in trips, right. Okay. Or we go empty. What is the defense doing? And so one of the things that June said is by the end of the first quarter, I knew everything that they were going to do defensively. Now I just have to figure out how do we attack that? And when they counter, how do I counter? And so it's a, it's a chess match that goes along for 60 minutes. So you're setting up stuff early to run a big play late. I, I don't see that. I just don't, it, to me, it looks like a hodgepodge of plays without any cohesion or an idea of if I run this in the second quarter and we run the same jet motion and they, and then, then I see they're playing zone and I know where I'm going to, the backside's going to be wide open. Okay. Then I'm going to come back to that in the fourth quarter when it's third and long and we need to make a play. And then like a crucial situation, I'm going to come back to that same formation. And if they run the same defense, we're going over the top. I don't see any of that. And not to give Bo some credit, I loved the first down. We're going to come out and throw the bomb to Mardner. Loved it. Okay. But did we throw deep to Mardner at all later in the game? I don't recall that unless it was desperation time. Um, the one other play that I loved in a quick change situation, because Hawaii had three, uh, three UNLE turnovers in the first half, quick change, almost every offensive coordinator, if you're inside the 50-yard line of, the, of your opponent, you're going you're gonna to either throw to the ends, you're going to take a shot, or you're going to run a trick play. They ran the reverse. I didn't see, I haven't seen the all 22. I don't know if Shevin was open and Calvin just didn't see him, but it would end up being, you know, like a 10 or 15 yard loss. It was, you know, it, it backfired entirely. And then you're behind the, the chains. And so they couldn't do anything. I, I'm very happy with those two play calls. It's like, you know, the other 65 <laughs> calls that I wonder about. So, uh, you know, calling plays is hard though. And um, it, it's, pro- it's probably harder than any of us realize or the fan base realizes so it's easy you know when it doesn't work to to throw guys under the bus you know Kyle Shanahan is still trying to live down 28-3 and up 10 with seven minutes left in the Super Bowl and how do you lose to the Chiefs when you're up 10 and you have the ball you know several times after that and can't so it's not it's not easy but that's why you know that's why these jobs are coveted and you know the expectation is you have a plan. Well, I do want to get to a couple of other things, but just to sort of close the book on this this UH uh, yeah. discussion, 
Um, and again, you're right. You know, we, we have the perception of being on the outside looking in. Some of us are a little bit closer, perhaps, in the concentric circles, but we are all on the outside of this UH football yeah. bubble. Uh, but we have seen enough turnover in this program over the years to understand, you know, sometimes, whether it's a personality thing, um, sometimes they just, it doesn't always fit. It right. doesn't always necessarily fit. And I'm just wondering, based on what we're seeing, if you have any kind of opinion that is formed or is in the process of being formed regarding whether or not you feel like to this point, Todd Graham, this regime has been a good fit for this, for this institution and for this place. Wow. You want to talk about leading the witness. My goodness. Baiting the <laughs> hook right there. Wow. <laughs> You're around him every day. Why don't you tell me if he fits? No, Larry, no, Larry, Larry, your opinion carries so much more weight than mine. Yes, I'm 2,500 miles away. I have a lot of opinions. Based I mean, just on... the, the nepotism there just it just absolutely obliterates my credibility. You so, know, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's you know, true. so here you, you go. can't be objective. <laughs> I, I, I question at this point, two years in, whether this is a good fit. It kind of reminds me of uh, when Cal hired Sonny Dykes to be their head coach. This was a few years ago. And he came out of uh, Texas and was also, uh, uh, I don't remember if he called it air raid, whatever. Everybody's got, you know, Hal Mummy started it. And there's various yeah. iterations of all these spread offenses. But anyway, so he came into Cal and it just, the offense actually was really fun. I mean, Jared Goff, ended up being, a, you know, he's a hundred million dollar man, thanks to Sonny Dykes, because he put up huge numbers. They would throw 60 times a game. They would often score 40, but give up 45. Or at least it was exciting. But he, you know, he didn't match what the school's objectives were. He needed to get back to a place where he was comfortable and is a perfect fit at SMU, right? Right. I mean, so and is having great success there. Doesn't mean he was a bad coach because it didn't totally work at Cal. So now we have, you know, and I'm, I'm using another example because, you know, people get too fired up when we're talking about Hawaii and our yeah. alma mater and, you know, we want this to happen and that to happen, but just at, at Cal. So now we have Justin Wilcox, who is a, a, was a tremendous defensive coordinator. Well, guess what? The team that used to score 40, now they score 10. They, can, they have no offense. <laughs> so it's, well, what do you want? You want the high powered guy where it's going to be, you know, we're going to score a zillion and give up a zillion and one, or you want to play, you know, tight defense and we're going to win 13 to 10. Frankly, I'd rather score more points, but I just win the game. And I don't know, like, we'll see. It, it's going to be really obvious. Here's, here's what I'm looking for. Are you able to keep local recruits, at home, because that needs to be the foundation for Hawaii football. Okay. Now I'm told there's a bunch of kids out in Kapole that are going to be very good college football players. Are we actively recruiting these kids and how close are they? Do they want to come to the university of Hawaii based on what they're seeing? Okay. If, if I'm seeing 15 junior college transfers coming in, at the end of this season, then I know we have a problem because you cannot sustain a program like that. You might be able to get away with it for a year or two. And especially if you're a powerhouse school, like if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, yeah, I'm going to go get some JC guys because I've got to win right. I've got to win yesterday at Texas. 
this is a different situation. Uh, we need to, make, again, are we recruiting locally? Are we getting the local kids? Now, now they've got a commitment from uh, the kid at St. Louis who's from Maui, right? That's right, AJ so, Bianco, yeah. Yeah, and he's, to, by all accounts, what I've heard, he's going to be fantastic. Um, he's legit. Nobody's seen him, and but here's the question. He's committed to UH. Once everybody sees his film around the country, because a lot of people haven't seen him due to COVID, does, does he just decide, oh, UCLA just called. Oh, USC. Oh, Washington. Oh, is that Nick Saban? Like, you know, so are you going to be able to keep these local kids at home? That to me, and what are you doing out in the community? What are mm -hmm. you, what are you, you know, your points of contact? Do people want to send their kids to you? Do people want to go to your games? Like I have, and maybe this is an irrational fear, but I'm very scared that I look at, we have an old stadium that's going to get knocked down that we can't play in. We have constructed a 9,000 seat facility that's on campus and is functional do we ever get the real actual stadium rebuilt or do we just say this program is going down so far? There's no, they can't even in a 9,000 seat stadium, we have 5,000 fans. Why are we going to spend $300 million to build a new stadium? Doesn't make any sense. I'm deeply concerned that we are at a critical point because of everything that's gone on in the state that, that people are going to say, what, what are we doing? Why are we throwing money at this? We, how many events are we going to have? I mean, is women's soccer going to fill up the new Aloha Stadium? I, I don't know. And so at that point, then the program is like teetering on the edge. We're back to the Fred Von Oppen days of why are we even doing this? That's what scares me the most. Everybody's going to have a losing season. Fine. I can live with that. You know, if, if it doesn't fit, if, it, if Todd needs a few years to get his guys in, fine. That's okay. I'm worried about the bigger picture. What happens when the donors go, mm -mm -mm, not anymore. I've seen enough. You got to make a change. That's what, that's what worries me because we're not, you know, we don't have T Boone Pickens at Oklahoma state yeah. writing, you know, $10 million checks. We don't have Phil Knight at Nike. We don't have that kind of support in the local community. It just doesn't exist in the Island. So I worry about those things. And if this goes really sideways, and, and, and Coach Graham is on a five-year deal, that's another three years. That's a long time. And what happens if we don't fill up that local recruiting pipeline? How many guys are then signing up with us locally? So the, again, maybe my fears are irrational and this is something that should not even be a concern. But that's from afar, that's what I worry about is the overall decline yeah. of the program to the point where it's, we can't raise the Titanic again. You know, Norm Chow, Fred Von Oppen, these are not, you know, ancient history names. And the damage that we don't have the luxury of, of throwing away five years. We just don't. Other places can recover nicely. Look at Nebraska. And I'm sorry if I'm just like going on and on and on here. No, it's great. Like, you know, look at Nebraska, okay? When, when we were young, and you guys are younger than I am, Nebraska football was the powerhouse or one of the powerhouses in college football. What happened over time? Well, <laughs> they decided nine, nine and three was not good enough for Frank Solich to remain in the job. So they fired him when he went nine and three. Could you imagine that? Oh my God. 
All right. So we're <laughs> Nebraska. We're getting rid of our nine and three coach. They haven't had any success since, since then. And part of it is all the California kids that they used to recruit, they're all going to the SEC now. Well, have you guys ever been to Lincoln, Nebraska? It's a hard place to recruit to. Well, now they're just like everybody else. Oh, now we're, we had to change conferences. Now we're in the Big Ten. We don't have our natural rivalries that we had anymore. Now the program is down. Now we've got Scott Frost. We're bringing back the legend, the legendary quarterback, the Husker hero is going to fix everything because he did it at UCF. Oh, he can't get recruits either. Now what? Now you're toast. But they're still Nebraska. They have a zillion dollars and they're going to throw enough money at the problem to eventually get it fixed. And they just gave Frost an extension. But they have a culture to recruit too. They have a winning past, a winning history. At least if you have nothing else, you can rely on that. We don't have that outside of, okay, June and Colt. And even that was over a decade ago. So the path forward here, you know, could get bumpier. And that's, again, that's what worries me. Yeah, no, I think you make really good points, uh, particularly when it comes to, and this we don't know the full magnitude of, but uh, is Todd Graham, is this regime, are they doing enough to ingratiate themselves yeah. to this community, right? To, to try to generate some of that uh, aforementioned uh, support. So yeah, I, I think that those are, those are valid questions that have to be asked because this is such a sensitive time in this program's history with all of the circumstances surrounding this thing. Lastly, I would just say this because we've all seen the guys, you know, come and go from the mainland and sometimes, you know, they come and they stay forever with like Dick Tomey. Okay. Bob Wagner, you know, these guys are not born and raised in Hawaii, but I would like to see some more people with Hawaii ties on that staff so that I feel comfortable that they can drive out to Kahuku, one, find Kahuku, <laughs> figure out how to get to Waianae, okay? Uh, I mean, maybe all they need to do is just drive to St. Louis. It's short. It's a short drive. Um, it's right down the hill. But do we have the people who can connect with these guys and can talk to them? I, look, I'm not criticizing Todd Graham's football knowledge. He he knows way more football. He's forgotten more football than I will ever know. The question is, is he right in this particular situation? Mm -hmm. So I don't question his credentials at all. Some of his decisions, I wonder, okay, why did we do this? Why are we doing that? Uh, and maybe he, even he's looking at Bo going, why did we do that? Because uh, he's handling the defensive special teams. I don't know, you know what their relationship is either, but I just get concerned. And that's why I was a big Stutzman guy. Going into the hiring process, you know, I was a Miano guy previously. Yeah. I'm like Ofer on all of my guys. <laughs> don't you guys don't ever let me recommend you for a job because you're not going to get it. You just, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, there goes uh, your position as my uh, campaign chief of staff. You, there, that's you already it. have the job. You already have the job. That nepotism worked for you. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned Stutz. Uh, he, Tony Tuyoti, Kaika Malloy, Keith Bonafa, these are all guys with strong Hawaii ties, all assistant coaches with pretty elite experience at this stage of their careers. And they are all currently or uh, in the process of being available, uh, unemployed. And, and I'm wondering if maybe that's something uh, that it behooves Todd Graham to consider uh, as far as maybe trying to um, coach some of that talent. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's a hard one in, in some ways because it's like, um, you know, again, coach Graham has been doing this for a long, long time. He knows what he wants to do. It's like me telling you, you know, I, I don't know if Jordan's really working out as the co-host, you know, you know, I know you guys are tight and you've worked together for years and you're comfortable with him, but I have a guy, you know, he, his English is a little rough, but I think he'll be able to communicate. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to push my guy on you when, you know, you don't know who he is yeah. and you've got, you've got a relationship with Jordan. And so it's hard to try to, and you, I don't even know what, what the coach's contract says, you know, like in Kyle Shanahan's contract, he has control over personnel decisions. So I assume Todd has control over his staff. Like nobody would want to take a job if you didn't have control of your own staff. So how amenable is he to making a change? You know, I'm sure he can read the room. He's a smart man. So, you know, we just have to, we have to play it out. But I, I just, you know, I, I'm concerned about this unique point in time that we are at and where the football program is um, going forward. So, all right, that's my speech. <laughs> all right, Jordan, I'll allow you to talk again. Whoa, a- yeah. Anything else? Jeez, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, yeah, yeah, sorry, I didn't have anything prepared. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, it, you know. As he was napping. It, he, was, he took a nap. <laughs> I talked so long. He was sleeping. I saw him doze off. <laughs> I, I, I heard the alarm bells. Yeah. No problem. No, but, we'll, I mean, we got you on there in, in – we always want to ask you about Bay area stuff. Right. Sure. And so I, I know one thing that we wanted to get to were the warriors and this, this incredible run that I think a lot of people thought that they would be much improved, but they're still waiting on clay. And yet here they are, you know, arguably the, the best team in the league right now. And so what has been the buzz, you know, in the area and, and how are they doing this? Dude, Steph Curry is on some kind of bender he's, here, Larry. This is ridiculous. He, it's unbelievable. I, I keep telling people just be, understand what we're witnessing here mm-hmm. and be grateful that this happened. Like, not only did we have the five year run to the finals, but if this is going to happen again, oh my God, I can't <laughs> even, I mean, it's absurd what his skill level is. You know, if you're an NBA player, you have to be, I mean, you're like one of the best players on the planet. You know, even if you're the 15th guy, people don't understand this. Like the 15th guy at the end of the bench could go out and, uh, you know, on any given night and get 30. Steph gets 30 when there's five guys, the whole team is guarding him. So he's, he's just at another, he's, I, I don't even know anymore. I, there's no more adjectives. He's just mind boggling in what his, what he's able to do. I, I thought the Warriors would be, you know, oh, like, you know, maybe fifth place, sixth place. They didn't make a lot of splashy acquisitions in free agency because they didn't have the money because they're up against, you know, not only salary cap, but luxury tax and all that. And so what they did is like Nomenia Bialica, like most people can't even say his name. He's bounced around the league. He didn't get any playing time in Sacramento and, you know, other stops. He's the perfect fit for what the Warriors want to do. He's a big who can shoot threes and space the floor. That's exactly what they need. You look at Otto uh, Porter Jr. And the guy's been injured forever and back problems, which, you know, you have back problems. You're a back patient for life. He's come in and he's shooting the three incredibly well. And they just, they found a way to find auxiliary pieces to fit together for the puzzle that Steve Kerr is trying to create. And 
they don't even have clay back. They don't have James Wiseman. The two draft picks, Kaminga and Moody hardly play. Kaminga is going to be a monster once he figures out what's going. He's only like 19 years old, I think. Um, and he's athletically just insane. Six, eight. It looks like, you know, he spent five years in the Marines, uh, jumps out of the gym and shockingly loves to play defense. Like, you know, we thought, oh, this guy, he, all he could do is just drive and dunk. Oh no, no. He's, it's a, he's been a revelation even in limited, in limited time. So I think it's going to be fun um, as we, as we continue and clay, when clay comes back, it's going to be like a religious experience at chase. And it's going to be unbelievable. And he's so beloved that I, you know, this could be a really, a really special season. I, you know, I heard Shaq say the other day, the Warriors are favorites to win the championship and, you know, let's relax a little bit on all of that. Let's just calm down. We're 15 games, you know, whatever, 15 games in. Let's wait till we get to January, February, March. Let's see what happens with the Nets and Kyrie. I expect him to come back and play or that New York will lift their restrictions so you won't have to get the shot. Then suddenly they're going to be at full strength and then that's a problem. And, you know, LeBron has not been, there's a lot of, a lot of moving parts here. Um, so, but in the meantime, just, Thrilled, pleasantly surprised. Every night is just, you know, let's sit down to watch amazing. Okay. Yeah, you'll be proud of me. I've come around on this. As you know, I drank some haterade uh, during some of that Warriors run, especially when uh, I, I felt like they stacked the deck so much that it uh, created some resentment there with KD. Uh, but I have come around, my friend. I'm telling you, maybe it's maturity, it's age, whatever. Uh, but watching Steph Curry and this run that he is on, uh, I am very much aware of, I think, the historical uh, importance of it, you know, the significance of what this is like. We will probably never see anything like this again. I've never seen a shooter like him yeah. before or an offensive master that he is. I've never seen anything like it. And I don't think we're ever going to see anything quite like it again. I mean, he has changed the laws of physics as they <laughs> pertain to the game of basketball. Like yeah. it is ridiculous and i must say it took me a while maybe it's because kd's not there anymore uh but i am i am now fully appreciating all of it well it'll that only took a decade but uh anyway <laughs> plus uh, my spurs are uh, irrelevant so that helps. okay see i was gonna say are you a spurs guy so I, this is probably gonna bring an abrupt end to this podcast uh but uh given your spurs affection i'll just tell you you know who's become a pretty good friend of mine you're going to hate this. Oh, boy. Are you ready? Yeah. Zaza Pachulia. Hey, Larry, it's been great talking with you. And <laughs> hey, drive safe. Hope the commute isn't too uh, traffic packed on your way in. Do you have feelings about Zaza you'd like to share? Oh, he only changed the course of Spurs history as we know it. But that's that, all right. Is that you mean because you think when he went out to contest a shot against Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, Leonard, yeah. His yeah. foot, he has an enormous foot. It's, he looks like he's like Goofy from the animated cartoons. It's he, who, who could know that that was he was going to land? Yeah, who could have who could have who could have thought that would happen when it looked like he was sliding into second base with his lead leg wow. underneath it? I would just say when you do confront Jaja, just make sure that you're aware of where his feet are. I wouldn't want you to roll an ankle or something uh, <laughs> stepping on his 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 large foot. I, I, I got two things if Jordan doesn't have anything. All right, go no for it. One is 
Uh, how's your dad? Because I love your dad. Um, how's he doing? Because I haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, so I, I haven't talked too much publicly about this. Um, he's, oh. he's been going through some stuff. And oh, uh, I'm sorry. He, uh, I'm no, really sorry. no, no problem. No problem. And, and uh, you know, I apologize maybe for not directly coming at you to uh, keep you abreast of all of this. But uh, he ran into some health issues late last year. And uh, and so he's he's at home and, and uh, yeah, he got he got pretty roughed up uh, from all of it. So uh, so so he, he requires a little bit of extra care these days. Uh, and so uh, that that's that's something that uh, my family and I are, are, are sort of taking on. But, uh, you know, he's uh, as stubborn as ever. So uh, I'm convinced no matter what this guy goes through, he's going to survive the next nuclear holocaust. It'll just be roaches and Jim Leahy crawling around uh, the surface of the earth. Uh, this guy ain't going nowhere. So don't worry. OK, Please give him my love. Uh, honestly, neither you nor I would be in our present jobs if it wasn't for him. Okay, I think we could say that we could both yeah. agree to that, and especially yeah. you with the, the heavy nepotism. But um, <laughs> but I'll I'll say I'll say this. I'll use the the same line. And people don't maybe they don't that haven't interacted with your dad don't understand this um, because like you know it's not always that smooth. Um, you know, the relationship. Uh, I think we went like one time we went like two years without talking to each other and we work like three feet apart from one another. <laughs> and I don't even know why he was mad at me, but he was, he was just mad angry at me. So anyway, that happens. That but could whatever. happen with I him. Yeah. I still, I still, I still uh, you know, love him, but um, yeah, I just, I just, I just hope, you know, for the best for him, um, you know, cause guys like him and Don Robbs, mm -hmm. um, you know, they're, they're icons in the state. And, uh, like the line I used to use for Al Davis all those years was he was too angry to die. Um, <laughs> and kind of like your dad, but again, I say it, I say it, <laughs> no, I, I, jest. I 100% agree. And, and the okay. reason he was probably mad at you was because you were this, uh, good looking up and coming sports announcer. And, uh, it was probably like, uh, Oh my God, the nerve of this guy to be good looking and talented. Who the hell does he think he is? This Larry Beal guy. I, I believe the term mainland carpet bagger was thrown around. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, if that's a phrase that uh, resonates with you from your youth, but, uh, that was among the things that, uh, that he used to say, I, I love him so much. And I have to say, he taught me so much. Um, and I did, you know, I, I hope, I hope whatever health issue he has, he is able to overcome it. The other thing I want to say is, is a guy you're much closer to than I, but huge shout out to Joe Moore. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't know if, if everybody's aware of this or it got big publicity in Hawaii, but last weekend, Joe Moore was celebrated by the SAG after it's the, the television and movies and, and, and radio union for he got a gold circle award. And that means you've been in this crazy screwed up business for 50 years, 50, like Hawaii Five O. da, 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 da. Anyway, <laughs> 50 years is, it's almost impossible to survive this long. I'm not going to make it 50 years in this business. It's not going to happen. It's the make, make you guys are young. So you still have a chance. I plan to be, on a surfboard before you're 50 and that's it. That's, I'm just going to be, you know, anyway, but amazing. And he uh, was celebrated by the Northern California uh, chapter yeah. uh, and Barry Tompkins, who's a, another a really good friend of mine who, uh, you know, I've watched, I watched this one of those guys I watched when I was a kid. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and so he was at 50 also. They were the two, uh, you know, like the, the big honorees of the gold. So 50 years is incredible. And, and the thing about it is probably for like 49 of those 50 years, he was the most dominant broadcaster in the yeah. state, which is just amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah, so. that's, that's something else that we probably will never see ever again, right? Uh, a la Steph Curry. I don't think we're ever going to see another Joe Moore uh, no. like uh, talent, especially with the, the direction that the industry is headed. I mean, uh, he, he's a rarity. And, and I think uh, I agree with you. It's, it's great that he was recognized uh, in that way. Uh, just, just just for the record, his dad didn't get him the job like like you and, and Jordan, right? His dad did not. Is that that's correct? Not, not that I'm aware of. Okay, yeah, okay. Not that. Right, so it's right. it's it's fully legit. So it's, he it's earned it on legit. his own. He did it on his own, unlike some. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. What a crazy not, concept! My that goodness, was, that's so stupid to do. It like <laughs> I know. That. I, what a sucker! <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean <laughs> Yes, just get your family member to do it for I mean, you. My God, why, it why saves go... so much time that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> why go through the agony of all of this? I don't, yeah, just... I don't understand some people, you know what I mean? Yeah, nah, it's <laughs> a ridiculous approach to life. Uh, anyway, well, we, we could uh, go for hours. I know uh, talking to you is like that. And uh, and I love it. And, and I love you a lot. And uh, really just appreciate the fact that you you. Have have built this incredible career, and, and you've you've reached the heights of this industry, and, and yet you still have such a strong connection to Hawaii, and maintain such an affinity for this place. And uh, the feeling, my friend, is absolutely mutual. We here in the islands will always uh, love you, and and uh, and uh, great talking with you. Well, we're going to be home. It's you know, I'm I'm coming. We're going to move back to the islands at some point. So you're going to, you probably get tired of me real quick. Once we move back. All right. Well, it's uh, not... are you going to call me this time when you're here? Because that's uh that's, that's not oh, always happened. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, we can talk well, about that. Another episode. Yeah, maybe, maybe another podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about. I don't, you're a busy, busy man. Ah, I don't gotcha. burden you with, you know, Oh, I, I got to go to lunch. Thank you. That's very thoughtful of you. Beale, Thank he's you. in town yeah. again. He's in town again. <laughs> yeah. It's like the fifth time this year. I got to go to lunch again. Uh, I don't want that awkwardness. Um, ah, you know, okay. So yeah. that's, that's, you're right. It's uh, a yeah. lot better this way. When I uh, look at your Instagram account, it's like, <laughs> Oh, Oh, he's hanging out with that guy. Oh, he's, he's hanging out over there at that restaurant. Oh, that's, that's terrific. I hope he's having a good time, but uh, thankfully he, he was so thoughtful of, of my feelings and my schedule that, uh, I, that I'm always, always looking out. Uh, yeah, I'm a giver. <laughs> I'm a giver. You know that Kano, you're a I'm pleaser. A yes. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I don't want your, you've had uh, games day and night and you know, all these sports and things you're doing and podcasts and you don't have time to, you know, you can't make time for the little people that fly in uh, and have to, you know, wait, wait to get cleared by, you know, the, 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 the wristband if they're still yeah, doing that. Yeah. I don't even know. Waiting they are time. still doing that. Just so word to the wise, get the wristband before you get on the plane on your way out here. All right. All right. All right. I'm, I'm just going to say this now. We're going to be home for the holidays. <laughs> However, how, there's no obligation there's no you know we've shared a lot in this past hour you don't like if i don't i'm telling you now i'm going to be home the chances that we're going to get together are minimal are minimal <laughs> but 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 jordan are you free what's your schedule like because i've Be like, wide open you're okay yeah. I'll, uh, I'll i'll text you I'll, I'll get a hold of we'll go out and uh, perfect maybe we'll take some selfies at duke we'll send up 
We can send a picture to Canola or something. Like yeah, that. well, yeah. no, I mean, because he, he's too busy. He doesn't have yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I look forward to that picture of the two of you alongside Jaza Pachulia, and, um, <laughs> and that'll be great. That'll be fantastic. I'll be in a walking boot. Uh, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be in a boot, probably. All right. Thank you, Larry. Take care, man. All right. Big mahalo once again to Larry Beal for jumping on with us. We could talk to him. I mean, for days we joked about it, but I think if we were given like three straight days, 72 hours to just talk story with Larry Beal, we would fill up all that time. Uh, he's a great one and, and really gracious with his time. So we appreciate that. All right. Time for our post game. And our best and worst brought to you by Waste Pro Hawaii, Maui's premier full-service refuse company, offering various sizes of dumpsters and roll-off containers for commercial construction and residential use. Family-owned and operated with over 40 years of service to the Maui community, Waste Pro Hawaii is committed to customer service and responsible waste management. Visit WasteProHawaii.com for services information. All right, I'll go first with my best. I uh, got to give a shout-out to another fellow Iolani alum, Keone Duren. Going to the show. That's right. He is an Iolani graduate. He'll be joining the Kansas City Royals big league staff as an assistant hitting coach. Now, uh, this is a guy who comes from really strong baseball stock. His pops, Coop, was an assistant at UH. Uh, that was back in some of the glory days, College World Series days. Uh, he introduced Keone to the game at a very early age. Keone played professionally himself in the minors for 11 years, worked his way up through coaching gigs in the Pirates, Cubs, and now Royals organization so this is a long time coming he's now 42 years old and is positioned to embark on a big league coaching career how incredibly cool is that and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy he is a genuinely good-hearted guy and uh just couldn't be happier for him yeah the whole family right uh, uh coops now living over on lanai like doing all kinds of things for the youth programs over there uh, it's pretty cool but yeah i keone man that that is quite the ascension and, and well-deserved. I remember when we were on the old radio show and we interviewed him because he was coaching in like, what was it? The rookie league or whatever that Tim Tebow was playing in. Uh, and he was on the staff of another one of those teams in that league and, and talking about Tebow as a baseball player. And now, now he's going to be coaching major league hitters. And that is, that is some pretty darn cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. What's your best, my man? Yeah, my best uh, professional ranks as well. Hawaii ties, different ILH alum though. Uh, Caprice Didasco. Uh, who had an incredible season for Gotham FC, which is one of the better names, by the way, yeah. of like a professional sports franchise. It's the the New York area, basically, franchise uh, in the professional women's soccer league, the NWSL. And she has come back from multiple knee injuries. She played on multiple youth national teams, like working her way up the age groups, had a terrific career at UCLA, is one of the best products to come out of Hawaii. And she was named the NWSL Defender of the Year, like the entire league. Right. And so they, they kind of have an attacker of the year and a defender of the year, not a, a overall sweeping MVP in kind of the traditional North American sense. But, yeah, she she has been terrific, um, plays that outside back fullback position. Great attacker as well uh, from defense and is kind of at the point in her career as she's kind of reinvented herself following the injuries that there is buzz. And I hope it comes to fruition that she should be deserving or is deserving and should be getting a call up from like the full national team. Um, and, you know, we're a couple of years out from a world cup cycle for the women's national team, but I think she is of the age and position in her career that if she keeps playing like this, you know, for her club team, she, she may be in the mix uh, when we're talking full national team type stuff. Yeah. Big time respect for anybody that can overcome those kinds of injuries and injuries, plural, they came in multitude. And that is a difficult thing when you are a professional athlete uh, to be able to raise your game and level of play uh, to the degree that she has, despite 
some of those physical ailments. So uh, yeah, congratulations to her. Very well deserved. We flip it over to our worst and uh, I'm going to shine the spotlight uh, because Larry already did a little bit of what would have been some, some worst case type of um, candidates, right? Uh, at the end of that interview. So I'm actually going to use the spotlight uh, to shine on Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiver Antonio Brown, who is accused of obtaining a fake COVID vaccination card by the Tampa Bay Times. It was a report that said that Brown reached out to a former personal chef to acquire a fake vaccination card, reportedly showed him fake ones that he was able to purchase for him and his girlfriend through other channels a couple of weeks later. Uh, Brown's agent said that he is vaccinated, and he might be, but he could still face some kind of punishment from the league for falsifying the card initially. So uh, Antonio Brown, just when you think things are kind of turning around for the guy, um, another potential hiccup here, uh, and this one uh, could possibly lead to some kind of, of punishment. Yeah, I mean, Evander Kane, the star for the San Jose Sharks in the NHL. He got suspended for quite a while uh, for, I don't know if it was ever like explicitly said that he had a falsified COVID vaccine card, uh, but that was basically the reason in all the reports. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> Antonio Brown, just one thing after another. Yeah, Was it one of those where like Moderna was misspelled? Like the one uh, woman that traveled <laughs> the, the traveler. to Hawaii. Yeah, it was like, like M-A. In front of... <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was Pfizer with uh, just an F. <laughs> That's like right. Marcus. It was Moderna with two D's. Uh, all right. What's uh, what's your worst? My worst. Uh, just a little bit of personal lament, but also I think for a lot of sports fans and, and media, even uh, next week, we were supposed to be in Lahaina for the My Invitational and it's going to be in Las Vegas. And we we've talked about this at length after the announcement and whatnot. But uh, as it was last year when we saw them playing in Asheville, North Carolina, I think come next week, it's going to kind of hit home. For a lot of people, right? It's like, man, this this should be in Lahaina. It should be at the Lahaina Civic Center. We should be watching a few, you know, powerhouse programs, Oregon in the field, among others. Uh, and it's just it's just kind of a, a bummer. <laughs> so that's my worst. Yeah, yeah, that is a bummer. And um, this will be the second year that it's gone, that it's that is being held elsewhere. Uh, now we just keep our fingers crossed and hope that that branding with the island of Maui. Uh, is strong enough to support the justification and the motivation on the part of the tournament coordinators and ownership groups to bring it back. Like that's the hope, right? Is that this is still going to be yet another temporary uh, relocation because uh, that tournament needs to take place in Lahaina. Uh, there's no other place that, uh, or if you're going to move it, then you got to change the name because it cannot be the Maui Gym, Maui Invitational anywhere else. I mean, just, just, it can't. All right. Well, that's our best and worst brought to you by Waste Pro Hawaii, Maui owned, Maui operated for Maui's people. Thanks once again to Larry Beal for joining us. Hit us up on Twitter at Kanoa he at Jordan Helly, at TalkSports808. Jordan, have a good weekend. I'll see you on Saturday. Take care. Bye, man.